The Gold Card Podcast is brought to you by the Esports Department. Gain access to the tools, projections, and analysis trusted by the best for League of Legends and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Join today at theesportsdepartment.com. Welcome to episode 77 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Colotti, at GelatiLOL on Twitter. With me tonight, the regular old crew. We've got Josh Roberts at Roberts number 49. Good evening, y'all. Chris Chung at Prime LOL. Hello, everyone. Happy evening. And John George at The Esports Plug. How we doing, everybody? Alrighty, uh, coming fresh off of, I put a question right as I'm interrupting this man, it's just disrupting the flow right away, let's get, <laughs> um, coming fresh off a mega show, I hope everyone enjoyed that, definitely leave some feedback, and just in general leave feedback, uh, iTunes reviews, you know, hit us up in a private message, uh, we have an official Twitter now for the Gold Card Podcast, so it's at the Gold Card Podcast, go hit that up for sure, um, Tonight, we're just going to recap and talk about the playing stage, our takeaways from it, since that is now over. We got the last two uh, teams for the main event in this morning. And then we're going to go right into the main event group stage, which starts on Saturday morning, bright and early, or very late at night, depending on how you're handling this. I think a lot of the West Coasters are doing the uh, stay up late route. And uh, I think that's all we got. Um, so, how do, uh, we're just going to talk about play-ins. Um, I guess the way I'd frame this was: Did did, did anything really surprise you from plans? Because I get, the, I think we're all going to get to say a big "I told you so" here. I would say it was uh, the, the my like tagline for the plans is "Much Ado About Nothing." Yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff, but in the end, the thing that I predicted to happen, like the four teams I predicted got out, it just happened in a weirder way than people might have uh, might have thought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you, you LGD, uh, Unicorns of Love, Team Liquid, and who was it? Oh, uh, Town. Town was the other one. Um, that's gonna be. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit later. But that's gonna be a weird story too. Um, yeah. So the playing stage is always a little. Doesn't it feel like the playing stage is always a little bit weirder than you ever think it's going to be? Like it always ends up being just a little bit stranger than it ever looks like it's going to be when you're going into it. Doesn't it feel like, like that's just the story of, of worlds that people don't get used to. Like I bet one of the top four teams in the world gets eliminated in groups like that. That almost like something like that almost yeah. always happens. Like the, every year we predict, you know, all the big favorites to win all the games are supposed to win. Cause that's what you're supposed to do. But yeah. almost every year there's at least one wrench thrown in the plans. Yeah. And it's all about, I guess like trying to pick it out and who, who we think are the likely candidates for that and whatnot. So uh, I guess like what? Honestly, I was very impressed by most of the playing teams this year, and I don't know if this is just a symptom of the game itself kind of being. I've I've been calling it like parity, like higher parity than normal, or like a condensed uh skill gap, where just like by design the game looks closer or feels closer a lot of the time, uh, just because it's very linear in how it's being played, but. 
I thought a lot of the playing teams were were pretty smart about a lot of stuff. We got to see some players that I think are are definitely going to be interesting for potential major region play. I think this was kind of a tryout for a lot of these guys, and this is one of like the the aspects of worlds that I know, John. You always you always like to touch on this, but part of what's fun about this isn't I know like a lot of people want to see a tournament where it's literally the best 24 teams or the best 16 teams in the world. And that would also be very, very cool. Don't get me wrong. But part of like the, the fun of it is that world cup feel where like you get to see what the hell is going on in the LCL. Like what's going on in Latin America. If you don't watch it all the time, like what are these teams doing? Is there anything different or do they just kind of play stock standard? Are there any players I should be looking out for? And this is a great spot to get just like a taste of that and see, you know, maybe there's some players, maybe I, maybe I want to drum up interest and kind of watch these regions every once in a while from that one. Yeah. I mean, if you're a major region top laner, you better watch out right now. Cause these, mi- these minor region top laners are coming for your spot. Dude, top and jungle in the minor leagues. I have no idea what, like what they're, you know, drinking. Like, I don't know what's in the Kool-Aid, <laughs> wherever these guys are, but like all the, every jungle, every single jungler in this playing event was like a stud. Right. Yeah. And- Papoon and Boss and Armut, like Tay. There was top laners galore as well, all out there trying to carry. Uh, yeah, there was there was definitely some guys there that uh, if you're if you're running CLG or somebody like that right now, this is definitely a spot maybe you want to be looking at where you could probably get a, a cheap guy who's a big skill upgrade for your team. Yeah, and probably cheap too, to be honest with you. Like if you think about it that way too. Yeah, I, so I guess we could kind of transition that into you know, another, another point here, which is like, is, which players impressed you, depressed you, uh, surprised in, in any kind of way, good or bad or, or weird. Uh, I know for me, it was, it was literally just all the junglers. I think they were all excellent. Like, all, I mean, I, it's, it's saying something that shadow might've been the worst jungler in this tournament in terms of performance. I don't think that's wrong to say like, who was like, who was worse than Shadow in the playing stage? I thought yeah. Boogie was really bad. Yeah, I, Boogie I, didn't didn't. Live I didn't think he showed me anything. Like for for how much hype we had from you know some of the people on the Mega Show, and had had seen kind of across the waves on Twitter, I thought he played just horrible. Yeah. But Shadow was very very bad. I, Even Peanut, I felt like did not have a good playing stage. Even in their wins, I, he had a lot of games where he was kind of like a non factor. Yeah. where he was a, like, hard carry in the LPL a lot of the time. I felt like he was pretty neutralized by a lot of these guys. It was kind of cool seeing LGD get back to their ways, though. Like, they had first blood in all but one game. Like They had, up until, I think it was game three, I think it was the last game they played, they had first blood in every single game, and Peanut was involved in all but one of them. So, kind of on brand for him, I guess, which is good. Uh, I, I think, yeah, like, what, what were some play, like other players that, you know, that were interesting to you? Yeah, I thought uh, on Legacy, I thought Babip and Tapoon were both guys that had a, a really, really good showing. Raze, that team too. Raze was really good, too. It seems like they played more around Raze. Um, I, I wasn't as excited about him, only because I felt like the team was really focusing towards him, yeah. which is hard to tell how good they're, they are when everybody's focusing towards them. Um, I thought it was... I definitely thought the, the minor region teams were better than I was expecting. Yeah. Like, INTZ stayed competitive in most of their games where I thought they would just get blown out. R7 stayed competitive in a lot of their games where I thought they were just going to get blown out. There was, yeah, there was uh, more competition than I was expecting, and I really love having a team like Unicorns of Love as well because 
you just never know what's going on with a team like that. Yeah. Like they could show up in the group stage and pick these same wild picks and just get destroyed. Or they could show up in the group stage and do exactly what they did in the play-ins and just crush people. And I don't think either one of those would be really that surprising. Yeah. It's very hard to tell like how, how good this team really is. Yeah. Uh, they kind of remind me of uh, I don't want to say like an over, like a, like an overexcited puppy. Cause a lot of these guys like, are pretty experienced, but like you can definitely tell like there's moments with that team where it feels kind of like a mid table LPL team where they just like get ahead of themselves and they just like, Oh, we got aced shit. Uh, all right, well, let's regroup. It's a good thing we have a 6K gold lead. It's funny. Yesterday I was writing. I was like, you know, they're weirdly kind of like LGD a little bit, <laughs> which, is, it, which is funny because they were playing on the same day. But, yeah, like, I was I was really impressed with Rainbow 7 and and, I, and really INTZ because I thought, I thought they were bottom three teams in the tournament, and they looked pretty good. I do think we kind of saw why I thought Japan was the worst team in the tournament, too. They just... When push came to shove, they just didn't have the players individually to consistently hang. And we ended up seeing that with LGD against Rainbow 7 as well. Like, once you got a bigger sample size of it, and once LGD kind of looked at least closer to form, it was not close. Um, yeah, Rainbow 7 and INTZ, I felt like when the team fighting and stuff was happening, they were capable of battling like mechanically with some of these better teams as a team. But early in the games, they were just down three thousand gold immediately. Yeah, like fifteen minutes into the game, those teams were just always yeah. down three thousand gold. And it was almost, and it was almost always from CS. Because look, if you Rainbow Seven in particular, I want to point this out for because INTZ, it was kind of like hit or miss in their games. But like Rainbow Seven, you can tell. And I don't know if it's just like Jose Dodo, um, just like having being a good shot caller or what, but like. Their decision-making on the map, their movement on the map is very good. It's just that, like, when it comes time to fight, they're either behind enough because they just were smashed in two lanes or three lanes that they're not going to have any anything to do, or they just look just, like, uncoordinated in fights, right? And But, like, they knew how to counterpunch. They knew, like, when something was happening, what to do on the other side of the map. They were doing a lot of the right, like, map movement macro kind of things that you're supposed to do, but... It's just about stringing an entire game together, and like that—that's what ends up happening a lot of times with these minor region teams. Is and really, you see this in the major leagues too. Like this is the difference between like the good teams and the bad teams. Is the good teams are able to piece it all together, right? Like they're not—they—they they have the whole package. Like they can complete a game and play a full, you know, in sports we call like a full sixty minutes or whatever, right? But in league, like, you see a lot of teams are really good in the first 15, 20 minutes of a game, and then it just falls apart, like, anytime any variance or anything different is introduced to it. And I don't know if that's just because these teams smash their domestic regions so hard or what, but it's definitely kind of an interesting dynamic. Jose Dodo, um, on, honestly, all of Unicorns of Love impressed me. Super Massive looked really, really good. Uh, Armut was a savage this tournament until today, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- they were the highlight players to me. Uh, I-, I think Mad obviously was a big disappointment. I think that's the elephant in the room disappointment here, right? Like, I guess you could say LGD. Yeah, LGD. I would agree. Just... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so I-, I would say LGD would probably be my biggest disappointment. Just because even in their wins, they didn't look convincing. I mean, you start off, I mean, their losses were even worse. They, yeah. they looked so good in the beginning and then Somehow just give it up. And then in the games that were competitive, even today, I, I didn't think I was impressed mostly by all three of their, even though they 3-0'd 
um, was it? Yeah, they three would the team, and it's still it just gives me a lot more uh, confidence in that they are probably not the team in uh, in the play-ins that they'll. I mean, in the groups that they'll be uh, go very far or even get out of groups. Yeah. I thought they looked really good today, like just top to bottom, really disciplined for the most part. <clears throat> Had a couple even in the second game. Yeah, a couple slip ups in the second game, but like they're being yeah, they were being things. patient. Go ahead, John. I was gonna say that's one of those things is like how do you how do you feel about LGD now because they come in and lose two games to start the tournament, but they won eight games back to back since then. Like they're or no, they won seven games back to back. So I, I don't I I don't feel that bad about them at all. It seems like they came in and didn't really understand the meta as well as they were hoping to, and they were a little discom, discombobulated in their first couple games. But honestly, that could literally just be like didn't get enough sleep or whatever yeah. on that first day and went 2 and then since then they went seven and one and looked fairly dominant in a lot of their matches. I here's the thing: I actually like LGD's read on the meta game, and I thought they just they had leads, they had leads in like every game, and they just they they LGD'd. We saw this from them all season. Anybody that didn't watch this team all season, like. Is acting surprised at this, but like I'm like we we aren't surprised. This is what this team's been all year. Like they just punt with leads sometimes, and that's why like I was pretty confident to go back to them after they lost a couple. I was like, I mean, I called that the whole way. I called this this trajectory for this team the whole way. I was like, I didn't think they would lose the group somehow. <laughs> like I didn't think they were going to get eliminated or anything like that. But like I didn't, I I still thought they were going to win the group, and I thought they dropped a couple games along the way just by nature of how they are, right? But. I thought they had a good read on things and just didn't transition well into mid game in a couple games. And that was it. They just got a little sloppy. I don't know if it was that they were cocky or overzealous or what, but I played them in every single slate. Like when, when LGD was playable, I played them every single yeah. time. Uh, and in every lineup, like I never played their opponents. Yeah. I will say there was one thing I wanted to point out. I, I made a tweet about it, but I think I thought it was really relevant in relation to LGD and DFS, but sometimes betting as well. So the, when they played rainbow seven, Rainbow Seven was about twenty percent owned in DFS, yeah. and when they played Legacy the next day, Legacy was like fifteen percent owned. And I thought that was a really interesting dichotomy to show people how people overreact. Yeah, right. Nobody would tell you that Rainbow Seven was better than Legacy, like almost nobody. Yeah, but somehow one series over the course of one series, people were really high on LGD losing. Like twenty percent is pretty high for DFS. They were really high on them losing, and then all of a sudden they got lower on them losing when they were playing a harder team. Yeah, I think the like 3-0 kind of, yeah, the overreaction's a real thing. I don't even necessarily have a problem with you playing Rainbow 7 against them if you thought that they were, like, out of whack and you could beat them. But if you played Rainbow 7 against them, you should play Legacy against yeah. them, too. Yeah. If you think they're beatable by Rainbow 7, then you should definitely think they're beatable by Legacy. People make the biggest mistake of of playing Rainbow 7, and then when Rainbow 7 loses, just going, oh, I'm not playing against LGD again no matter what, because yeah. they crush Rainbow 7. So yeah. I just thought that was an important thing to like point out is don't be overreactionary like that. I the the way I played the group stage, I played LGD in every game. Like I said, doesn't matter if they lost last series, doesn't matter if they lost two series in a row. You just keep playing them because yeah. I thought they were X level team, and so I should play them as if they're X level team. Yeah, I, I think another thing too is sometimes you'll see that kind of thing, and there's reason like there's like an actual logical like strategic reason for it to be the case, like. Legacy could be a better team, but maybe there's a matchup that's just so terrible that they're not going to be able to overcome it. But, like, Legacy and Rainbow 7 are built the same. They looked pretty similar to me. Maybe Legacy's... I thought Legacy was a little bit better, but, like, it wasn't, like, a world of difference. And 
it's not like you had a completely different stylistic team. If it was like a different stylistic matchup, or maybe like, you know, it was a, 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 like they had, say just for example, like Rainbow Seven had an incredible mid laner or something like that to like make the make them different in some way. Then I could see there being a difference in ownership, like not having to do with the overreaction. But like this was, they're essentially the same team. They both play the same way. They play the same champions. They're strong in the same same spots. There's no reason to therefore there to be a five percent ownership difference other than overreaction, right? So, yeah, and I, I yeah, I was, I was just I, there are some reasons why you would change off a team. I think they're not really related to stuff like this. Like I think when we get to the group stages, I'm going to talk about how. I think if you if you see some bad draft tendencies or something from a team, maybe you want to go away from them in like day three and four. But as far as like, you know, stick to your guns. If you rate a team as being X level team, just because they lose a game, don't suddenly think, oh, they're not the the team I thought they were because they lost one game. You know, it's just like LCS regular season. Don't overreact to one week. We get we get single games here. Don't freak out about them. Um, Anybody have anything else for plans? Did any of the series surprise you? I thought the, the Mad Supermassive series was a fun one to watch. The rest of these were kind of blowouts. The I'll say, if you're talking about surprising me, I didn't think UOL was going to absolutely destroy Supermassive the way that they I did. I didn't either. I thought, that, I thought they were going to win. I predicted them to win, but I thought that was going to be a pretty close series, and they pretty much dominated yeah. that series. So Not close. <laughs> None of the games are really close either. No, I was surprised by that outcome as well, just because, <clears throat> like you said about the kind of trying to adjust on the fly, um, for me it was like, I kind of just was operating under the assumption that none of the minor league minor region teams would be able to win in a best of five. Cause like we've talked about before, the variance for best of ones is kind of like one thing, but then trying to beat Matt or LGD in a best of five, I just didn't think any of them had the ability to do it. Um, but so I was really impressed with the way that Supermassive was able to beat Matt Lines, especially like in game five, where it was like your backs are against the wall and they came out and took it to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and then in, in terms of like impressive and, and and not impressive, like I think Carzy like was the only reason Mad did anything. I agree. He was like going nuts, trying his hardest to carry, and Shadow was just I don't know, I, I don't know what his deal was. He's a he's been having. Someone ghost playing for him online, I guess. I'll tell you. I'll tell you something, and this is just my opinion. I, I think Mad had a terrible read on the game. Like, I think they had a terrible read on the tournament meta, and they seemed pretty set in their ways. But my biggest issue with this is the tournament meta. It's different than you know the playoffs and the end of the summer season. The patch is different. There are different priorities. Some things shifted up and shifted down. My biggest issue with this is you've had you've had two months now. Shadow's not – was he not playing Nidalee? Was he not playing – like, I know these champions have higher skill caps, and, like, if you're not comfortable, like, you probably are better off not playing them. But you are you knew you were making Worlds many, many weeks ago. You knew this was going to be a priority pick there. There weren't any nerfs coming on the patch. You knew it was going to be a thing. And they it's like they didn't try. And I didn't look – like, I know we had some games on it on Super Server, but, like, that ended up biting them in the ass. Like, t- they were so predictable – and we would have never, ever said that about Mad Lions even two months ago. Even when they were struggling, like, in the second half, like, middle of summer split. The one thing that team is, is they are willing to surprise you in draft and do some stuff. And I thought Mad were maybe the most predictable team in this tournament. I don't I don't know if I would go that far just because, like, 
he had, you know, I mean, he played, let's see, he played Lilia, he played Eve twice, he played Hecarim, like, I don't know any of them in the LEC, but um, I did think that it was, like, really crutchy, like, the way that they went to, like, the Senna Wukong bot lane. Like, Wukong hasn't been good for, like, three months now. Like, it was sick. on the bottom lane, anyway. Yeah. Like, it was sick when you first did it when the champion was clearly OP and was, like, pretty much 100% pick ban. And you were triple flexing it between top jungle and support. But now it's like, what? And like the comp they were doing it in was just stupid. But yeah, I, I agree. Like it, it did feel like they were much less flexible than, than I expected. Um, and especially going into the best of five, I didn't, I didn't think that would be the case at all for them. So that, that was very disappointing, uh, for me with them. I think uh, as, as disappointing as that was, I know you said coming into the tournament, like they are all rookies. Yeah. We don't know. How- respond to being back on a stage um you know those things all probably played a part in it as well but i would like to like flip the coin over and say on the other side like we'll get to him soon but team liquid was insane yeah we've talked about all split with people in the in the esports department discord about broxa just being an afk farming jungler and he ganked mid like level two like every game and i was like do you remember when we paid this guy in the offseason this is why they paid him yeah hadn't been doing it, but man, they looked like a whole new team when he's doing that. He looks like the best player in the whole playing stage. He was unreal, right? Like people forget that like two years ago, there was an argument that he was like the best player at Worlds for a while. Yeah. Like people like but people were like saying he was arguably the best player at the entire tournament in the major regions even. So yeah, the guy the guy knows how to play. He's had a little bit of downtime here, but he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I, I do think in a couple of these instances like there were some really hilarious setups in these games where like it felt like he would just, like, his lanes were dominating. He'd roll over and, like, ult for the kill. Like, there was the one, I forget who it was against. The one game he went, like, 5-0, and and, like, he just, like, last hit for the kills. Like, didn't have anything to do with any of them. But there was one, I think, I think, I think the same game. There was Jensen shoved the dude under Tyrant. He came over to the Raptor pit and just pressed R yeah. on Gray. The kill was, like, 2 HP when he shot the like, this is so stupid. Yeah, so, like, I just want to say that, like, we're not overreacting because of the kills. We're overreacting because he just did everything well. And I, I think it helps when you're – I mean, the the liquid lane's just smashed. Tactical looks like he's – nothing changed. Tactical hadn't played – he barely played any stage games. And he looked like he's he's a grizzled veteran, you know? Like, you got that impact world buff or impact was yeah. better. Smashing kids, no problem at all. Poor JJ looks sharp, yeah, it's – um, Not on the liquid subject, but another thing, I, I was really impressed with UOL's mental in game three today in particular, when Anonasic was down like, it was like 35 farm to four, where they were just bullying the shit out of him in his jungle, and catching him at every camp and forcing out his flash, and he was he was like two and a half or three levels down from the enemy jungler, and they like just rallied and just didn't even care, and just yeah. had a gold lead of 15 minutes anyway. I was impressed with their with their mental in that game. Don't don't they feel a little bit like Mad Lions? I, I think UOL's just their own thing. Yeah. For people that don't like that hadn't been paying or watching my videos or whatever, UOL actually have the best stats in the world. They're better than Damn One. Yeah. Obviously, they come from a way weaker region, but yeah. they're. I think they they could maybe end up actually being a like a, a contender to make the top eight here. Yeah, I I think they're good. They have the chops too, for sure. It's just a matter of I don't know they. I think they're there. I think they're in the conversation. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna win some games. I think, but uh, I have concerns about them getting a little ahead of themselves sometimes. Uh, anything else from plans? Well, maybe EU wants UOL back. 
<laughs> Savage. Super massive in the LEC. Expand to twelve hey. teams, bring in uh bring in hey. those two. That could be fun. Um Okay, so we're gonna talk about the main event now. So we have the four groups. Uh, I'll just quickly run those down real fast um, for those that haven't heard. Um, now that we have these seeds from playing stage, Group A is going to be G2, Machi, Suning, and Team Liquid. Group B will be Damwon, JDG, Paris Saint-Germain, Talon, with the original intended lineup, which will be Tank, River, and... Unified? Unified, yeah, that's right, that's right. So the actual roster that they played with all season... We'll talk about them more in a little bit. And Rogue is also in this group. Uh, group C is going to be Fnatic, Gen G, TSM, and LGD. And Group D is going to be Dragon X, Top Esports, FlyQuest, and the Unicorns of Love. Which suddenly makes that group a little bit more interesting, right? So we're gonna have we're gonna have four days. Almost, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be eight of the next nine days of group stage best of one play here uh double round robin everybody plays everybody twice once on each side we're gonna focus mostly on the first two days because the truth of the matter is we need to see how these teams look and we need to see what we think their read is and kind of draw context clues from what they're doing so it's going to be pretty hard to extrapolate forward more than that uh, more than like the first few days here so we're going to spend the majority of our time just kind of going through these first couple days and discussing how we're approaching these teams, um, maybe bigger picture thoughts on the tournament uh, moving forward. And from there, we can uh, you can kind of draw conclusions from there or just hit us up on Twitter, and then we're going to be doing another show next week in prep for the second round, Robin. So that's kind of the game plan here. Um, I guess how – I guess we could – I'll just ask, like, how are we approaching this from a big picture perspective? Um like, do we still think we, we kind of did our projections for groups? Has that changed at all for anybody? Yeah, NA's winning. That's all I have to say on the matter. Next question: Which, which NA team? <laughs> yes. No, noted. Noted. Um, so I haven't like, changed too many thoughts. Uh, the only thing I was going to say is I think I got a slightly better read on how I think the plan teams are going to do. I just still didn't have any of them getting out of their groups, yeah. but I think I have a better idea now of how they might affect their groups. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think to me, like liquid is the standout in that spot just because they've looked so good, but I do want to kind of see them against people that they're not just going to body individually in lane for a change. Cause I kind of think that was what happened in a lot of their games. So, yeah, I guess I guess like I guess we'll just jump right into the games then because uh, I haven't really changed too much. I think unicorns is the other interesting one just because they've looked so good and they're weird and they're explosive and they're they're willing to do weird stuff. So like they are a good like wild card team. Like the name suits that for that team, right? Like they're willing to do some crazy stuff and they come from a region that's had some success before. Um, the only wild card team to get through. Uh, the group stage since we've moved to that format. So, uh, so the first game is off the board. I couldn't find lines for it anywhere. Um, if anybody has them, let me know. But we have Unicorns of Love against Dragon X, bright and early on Saturday morning. So these are going to be six game slates, by the way. Um, thoughts. So this this matchup 
if they give you really good odds on UOL, I think I kind of like UOL here. And not just because I think UOL is playing really well, but I think they are. But they're... There's been a history in Korea, and I think Dragon X follows this history of not being able to deal with teams that do weird, funky stuff. At least the first round or the first time around. A lot of the times after the Korean teams hit them a little bit, then they can start game planning better around them, and the third or fourth time they meet a team like that, they can really handle them well. But a lot of times they come out a little flat against them, and DRX seems like the most likely of the Korean teams to get randomly caught off guard with some random stuff. So if they give you like a plus 475 or something right here on UOL, I think I'm, I'm going to be betting UOL almost for sure. Yeah, I would guess it's going to be in that ballpark. Like it, if you look at the next matchup, this top against FlyQuest is like around there, around those numbers. So I'd guess it's probably going to yeah. be like minus 700, minus 400 range, give or take. So Yeah, if, if I'm getting like plus 450 or something on UOL, I'm taking UOL in that game. And you keep in mind when the when the money lines get that big, the kill spreads are going to be like eight, nine, ten kills too. So like that's the kind of spot where you can go like half and half, or like bet the kill spread to win the money line wager you want to put if you want to take the dog. I've been doing a lot of that. So yeah, I think if there's going to be a spot, it's the first round robin, and this is and unicorns of love are a live dog. I think in a lot of these spots, so a lot of really big numbers, but also a lot of really curious numbers. Uh, Josh, thoughts on this one? Um, I, I'm kind of on the same page as John here. But like, if the odds are good, we'd probably just take the weird team. But I do think DRX probably just wins. Like, I don't know. It's been so long. I feel like it's been so long since we've seen these teams play that there's going to be a natural reaction to want to bet these teams that we just saw play. Because it's like, oh, yeah. you know they're good right now. Like, we haven't seen DRX play in two months. So, like, I'm trying to combat that internally myself. Um, and I also know, like, obviously DRX is just super talented across the board. But – there is a world where DRX doesn't make it out of this group. And I think it's going to be tough for me to not want to take positions on UOL and FlyQuest in a lot of these games. Chris? Uh, for this game specifically, I, I, I agree with what uh, Josh kind of has mentioned. The recency bias is always strong. And uh, we saw how good UOL looked when they owed the team. But at the same time, my it, DRX is my tournament favorite. And I don't think they're they're losing this game in particular because I feel like there are other spots where I'm more higher on the team that just came from the play-ins. So for this one, uh, again, follow the odds. I like John's suggestion. Uh, if the odds are good, anything north of 400, I think it's good to bet on in the best of one. But outside of that, I fully expect the RX to win. All right, so we, I just we, love Chopi. So we have a minus 385 and plus 260. <laughs> I don't think that's enough. Yeah, plus 260 feels a little too short. I, I was mm-hmm. looking to get a number in the 400s somewhere on UOL. Yeah. Um, that's a good value on an 8.5 kill spread, though. Um, DFS-wise, I think this is this is a spot, potentially. It I should know. be mentioned it's that, just one of them. that this is the first King of the Ring slate, or King of the Rift slate, mm-hmm. uh, the big like super tournament on DraftKings for League of Legends, so... It is worth mentioning some uh, some DFS related stuff on this slate since it'll yeah. be pretty important for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally think this is a very live game for that kind of thing. We've seen mm-hmm. some explosive games from Dragon X when they win. Obviously, Unicorns of Love are very explosive a lot of the time when they win too. Um, and like John was mentioning, when when a lot of times when these Korean teams are like feeling out these different meta games from around the world, they do struggle. But a lot of times they actually win those games anyway. It's just a weird start. 
So if this ends up being a situation where, like, unicorns are ahead, and this just turns into, like, an absolute bonanza, like, the, this, I think this game is a pretty good candidate for something like that, for sure. Um, feel free to tag on if you guys got anything. Otherwise, I'm just going to move on. I was just going to say, I think uh, if you do end up wanting to be on the side of UOL, uh, you should probably be four-stacking them in DFS. Um, oh, yes. Regardless of what the other games are, because DRX was, I think, maybe even the highest in the entire LCK, but definitely the highest of the LCK teams that qualified for Worlds in deaths for loss. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely a good spot to target. I mean, they were above – they were nearing, like, G2. Lost. Yeah, they're the. I have the <laughs> APWs and DPLs sorted right here for all the world's teams, and DRX is the fifth highest DPL team in the entire tournament. Yeah. All right. Um, where was it? I lost my tab here. Okay. Uh, UOL next... is also the highest KPW team in the tournament for the record. So, biggest mismatch? Like, from those numbers' perspective, this is the biggest mismatch, right? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. probably about as about as wild as you can get. Technically speaking, the bloodiest matchup in the tournament would be UOL against Machi with UOL winning. Interesting. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, Definitely something to consider. Uh, Top eSports are minus 769 against FlyQuest plus 440. I guess this comes down to, do you... I actually... (laughs) I kind of like FlyQuest here. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I just think that I don't know who mentioned it. It, it might have been you, Josh. Like, I'm interested to see how these teams prepare, knowing how up against it they really are. Like, do FlyQuest just treat this as we can do this? We don't need the cheese. We just play the way we play. Because they kind of strike me that way. But we've also seen this team sometimes think outside the box a little bit. So. Looking at the teams that are in this tournament, like the exact 16 teams that we have, I'm not sure that you shouldn't just make a like a general rule that you just bet everything plus 400 or better. I think all these teams, nobody here is like a, an over plus 400 underdog in a best of one. Yeah. So I, I definitely think you should bet FlyQuest in this spot, even though, you know, top is top. But I think top's kind of variant. I think they could definitely lose a game, and FlyQuest is – good enough to, to, to be bettable at this price for sure for me. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way, John. Like, I, I think, especially because you've had, like, a month. You've had a month with this on the schedule, right? Like, they've known they're playing as top on day one. They can do all – this is the most prepared that they're going to be this entire tournament. It's the same way I treat week ones, right? I like underdogs in week one and week two because they have the entire off season to prep, like – Vanilla, like everyone's on the same playing ground, and usually as the season goes along, the better teams with better coaching staffs, with better more adjust, you know, more versatile players, can make adjustments faster. Um, so I, I yeah, I think I think four hundred or, or higher is definitely honestly maybe three hundred or higher is in play for a lot of these situations. I think maybe there's a couple that you might ignore, but yeah, I, I I'm probably gonna have some FlyQuest here. Not not saying take a mortgage out on it or anything like that, but it, I think it's definitely worth a taste for sure. Uh, Rogue minus 185 against Talon plus 139. So we mentioned Talon's going to be playing with the, the original lineup. I've got some pretty strong thoughts on this. I think Talon are going to be worse. 
I'm on, I'm on the Vince Galati special here when yeah. it comes to talent. I think talent's going to be the biggest letdown of the entire group stage. Because if you watch their play-in performance, their mid-jungle duo was murdering people. Yep. Like, just absolutely destroying games for them. And I was not even that impressed with their bot lane. Hanabi has always been pretty good. Their bot lane I was not that impressed with. Yeah. Switching up their mid-jungle, I think, has the potential to make them, like, one of the worst teams in the entire plan. Or the I, entire for what it's worth, I do think they had, like, literally a coach playing <laughs> playing ADK for them, so there's something to be said for that. I think the I think the bottom lane upgrades, because Unified's very, very good, and that bottom lane was excellent and, like, the source of most of the team's power for the most of the season. So they're going to be a much different-looking team than we saw in play-ins, not just because the players are different, but because these players play very differently, right? Um, Tank and River are not Kongwei and Uniboy. Like, they're not. They're the they're Honestly, they're almost exactly the opposite. Like, they're much more like stay-at-home. Well, R- River kind of does a little bit of everything. I think River is, is similar in, in ability and versatility, but Tank is not. Tank is a very stay-at-home, control mage type of player, and we've seen a lot of issues with Tank and River even when they were winning um, domestically. Uh, they're not always on the same page with a lot of things. So... I have concerns for Talon. I was really hoping that they were going to be allowed to play with the same roster and just bring in Unified and play with the Super Team, but I think they're going to be downgraded pretty heavily here. That said, they get Rogue here. Do Rogue deserve to be laying money against an Eastern team? Just in general? like I, Even if it's a PCS team, what do you guys think? I think so. I have no issue with this one. Have Rogue showed you guys enough? Like, do you guys think this is like about right, or do you think Rogue should be bigger favorites here? I think Rogue should be a favorite. I think they're maybe a little too heavy of a favorite here. I'd like to see them at like the minus one fifty range. Yeah. So I think maybe I'm gonna probably avoid betting in this one. Yeah. I want to take Rogue here very badly, but I do think it's just a tad rich. But I do think there's also an advantage to – there's you could make the argument – I guess this is a bigger picture topic we could touch on before we touch get into a couple more of these games. But there's an advantage to having played stage games and getting a feel for the metagame, getting a feel for playing against these international opponents that the playing teams have an advantage on, right? There's also a disadvantage in that you just got to watch them play seven, eight games on stage, right? Obviously against different level of competition, but it's kind of – like it's bound, it bounces itself out. I think. Like I don't think it's that big of an edge either way. So especially because Talon weren't really playing anything. This is a different team. So the, only some of the players even have that that edge. So yeah, Josh, any thoughts on this one? I actually think the number's too low for Rogue because I think that Talon's being valued as the team that just played, and I I agree that they're not that team. So. That that's kind of actually how I'd be approaching it, but I can see the 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 other side for sure. I just I actually am probably just going to be on Rogue though. I think what you described about the <clears throat> the mid laner um, is really troubling to me going up against Larson. Yeah, because, I was going to say this only favors Larson to me. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's just a player. It feels like he probably can't do anything better than Larson can, and Larson is Rogue. Like Rogue runs through Larson, so. Yeah, yeah. I think not not being able to punish or take away the best player on the other team is is never really a good thing, and this is what makes like the truly elite players game breakers, right? It's it's there's too many champions to ban, too many other things, and I think talent or not, 
I think talent are not equipped other than maybe Hanabi and Finn is a disadvantage that they could take advantage of and exploit, but we'll see. Um, Damn one, JDG, probably the highlight matchup of the first day. Uh, A lot of people think it's the two best teams in the tournament. Um, I think it's certainly in the top four for both of these teams. I I don't know anybody that has said otherwise. Um, Damn one, minus 169, JDG plus 127. Well, I think damn well, I think JDG is the best team in the world. So I'm going to take them at, um, at plus odds against anybody. That said, it's not going to surprise me at all if they lose this matchup. I actually feel like they are going to be better off in the second round robin against damn one than the first one. Um, so I, I think I'm going to end up betting it, but it's, it's one that I'm not like hyper over the top confident about. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm slightly higher on Damwon than most people are. They're my pick to win the tournament, but this I'm not. I don't think I'm going to pay this number. If you can get, if you're like me and you think Damwon is the best team here, then and you can maybe line shop, and if you can find like a minus one thirty or something, that's fine. But I don't think you're going to. I think most places are floating around this one sixty number. So this is probably just a pass or JDG, one or the other, because I think JDG are more than capable of winning this. I think. These teams grayed out pretty similarly. So, Chris? Yeah, uh, again, a, g- a game that's fun to watch. I am, like you said, you either bet JDG or you don't bet at all. Uh, I like them one a lot, too. I'm on your side on this one. I really hope that they uh, they crushed it for this stage. But it's game, day one. Anything could happen. Always uh, keep yourself open for those underdogs. Quote-unquote underdogs. It's yeah. hard to... What, what, yeah, what do we think in terms of like fantasy for this match? Like, is this going to be like a really tight match? Is going to be like bloody or what? Like, I, I think there's so many. These two teams are are so versatile, and there's so many different ways this can play out that I think there's a really big range of outcomes with this matchup. Does that, I don't know, maybe you guys disagree with me on that? No, uh, but because there are like six games, uh, I initially thought this would be a, a game that people would like to be on because of the. You know the name and the pizzazz and all that, but and the lines there close. Are, the lines close, and there's other there are other games where I might be a little more um, kill higher kill, but this is one of them though. This is one of them, not not my top one, but this is one of them. This feels like a GPP game for me. If you want to be involved with this, I wouldn't mess around with this game at all in like King of the Rift or cash games or anything like that. This feels like a straight GPP game. Because it's not only very hard to predict the winner, but very hard to predict whether it's going to be a high-scoring game or a low-scoring game. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think if you're playing a decent-sized field GPP, yeah, this, this is a game that has a range of outcomes that could definitely go to a 28-kill game at some point. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Damwon post some hilariously big kill totals in games, so I don't know if they're going to smash JDG that much, but they definitely smash some of the top Korean teams. So it wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah, I think I mean this is this is definitely the highlight match of the first day, right? Yes. Or maybe the one we're going to get to in a little bit. We'll talk about that one um, next. Up, we have Gen G minus two fifty against LGD plus one eighty three. Seems like a big number. Uh, I'm pretty bullish on Gen G. I think Gen G are going to smash LGD. I'm with you on that one. I'm not sure I want to pay two fifty for a best yeah. of one, but I think Gen G is going to smash them. Yeah, I I'm I have Genji winning the group. I got minus one thirty eight on that, and it's one of my favorite futures wagers for the whole tournament. Um, 
any love for LGD here? Like they, like you said, John, they won seven in a row. I just think it's going to be like a shock to the system for them to like have to go and play in teams to Gen G. I think that's kind of a tough spot. Can I just say, yeah, go ahead, John. I was just going to say, yeah, and they weren't necessarily super convincing in all their wins either. So, yeah, I was about to say, I mean, is this might be where the inverse confidence model comes in, Vince, because, yeah. you know, it's Gen G for one thing. Just looking at this slate, my first thought is, oh, okay, Gen G has to either be chalk or one of the favorite that I want to play here because it's, it's against people have this recency bias of how LGD doesn't look good and Gen G is still a top team. Now, I'm going to say I'm not going to be surprised if LGD wins, but I'm fully pushing for Gen G having this uh, convinced, winning this convincingly if they do win. But I'm not going to be surprised just because of how heavy I am going to be on Gen G. Yeah, I think don't Gen, Gen G usually have pretty high ownership because they score well on wins, even if they're they're the the garbage the garbage time like winning garbage time specialists, right? Like the cleanup, like the, the extra ace in the base, just because. Yeah, they're the fifth highest kill per win team in the tournament, so they're they're right up there. Yeah, and and if you look like they had similar like a lot of their wins looked like damn one wins too, where it's like okay, you know they're up ten k gold at eighteen minutes, and the final score is twenty eight to four. <laughs> like they're not opposed to running up the score. I talk about it in my videos though. One thing to note with teams like that, teams that get like those ten k gold leads early, are generally not great fantasy teams. Yeah. Because a lot of the kills are solo kills or like a, a quick gank where only two people are getting kill credit. Team Liquid, as an example, uh, very often they they don't get very many kills in a win, but like basically every single kill is all five members of the team getting kill participation. Yeah. So they can often outscore teams that like went crazy on the kill number, but almost all the kills are just solo kills or whatever. LGD are kind of like that too, a little bit. Like it's not always as clear cut. Like they're. <laughs> They don't win as clearly, but a lot of times they score that way, where it's like only a couple of players are participating because they usually just take what they get and go get an objective or something. So, And that's why, if you are curious about how we project the players to do on this slate, head over to theesportsdepartment.com. Yeah, the projections are already up on the site. Yeah, we are ready, we are ready to roll days in advance here, so you've got, you've got a lot of time to, I guess, get into the laboratory and... and mess around with some things so uh last match of the day the other one that i posited is maybe an interesting one we have fanatic minus 167 against tsm plus 126 give me the fanatic boys give me give me a bet on fanatic yeah i think we're clashing this is gonna be a podcast clash right here i'm on tsm dude Oh, give me the fanatic. Yeah, this is this is where NA realizes they're outmatched. <laughs> I mean, like fanatic's not even that good, and they're just going to put TSM in a body bag in this game. I'll say this: I've kind of had this pegged for a couple of weeks already. Like just looking at this this matchup, because I think it's like pretty close to even. Now, I also expect Fnatic to be better than they've been all year at this tournament. They have a history of performing well at Worlds. All of their players are absolutely destroying everything on the super server. So they're in conceivable, like, they should be in good form. And I think we're going to see much close, like, probably even a better version than we saw in playoffs. But I, I still think they're more even than this looks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some TSM. You better hope Bjergsen's got a big backpack. I mean, that's the other angle to this is, like, it's 
strength on strength it's strength on weakness weakness on strength right the thing is though like nemesis as much as we give nemesis a whole bunch of crap like nemesis is probably like a top five mid laner in na if he was in na he's probably a top five mid laner uh yeah i'd have to look at it exactly to be specific about it but like I think he's a top, he's probably a top five-ish mid laner in NA. So it's not like he's just going to get dumpstered by no. I don't think. I, here's the thing. Here's what I'm worried about with Nemesis. And this is kind of my concern for Fnatic for this tournament in general. Is the book's kind of been written on... on Like, they showed how they beat G2, right? It was by playing... It was by canceling the mid lane. Like, he's going to play some champion that just attempts to neutralize things and not actually interact and play, right? In that case, it was Lucian, just because the champion's broken. I don't think you're going to see Lucian at all this tournament. I think he's going to be very close to 100% picked or banned. Uh, probably mostly banned. I don't think teams are going to let him have that. Because I don't think there's anything else you really need to ban out against Fnatic. If you can just like not let him do these things, then I think that teams are... like He's just going to be a liability in a lot of games. I, do, I agree with you, John. I think he kind of gets a bad rap. I don't think he's as bad as public perception at all. I think he just is like... You know, when Hillisang's not inting, everyone points the finger at Nemesis for everything. But I do think it's it's definitely going to be a point of interest because I don't think he's one of the top two mids in this group. That's just my opinion. Um, Josh, what do you think on this one? So I wouldn't bet Rogue at plus one twenty five against Fnatic, and they always the meme is like TSM versus Fnatic is like. Or TSM versus Rogue is like the even matchup for NA versus CU. So I'm not going to bet TSM. Um, that being said, I do definitely see like an outcome in which, uh, TSM can pull this off. I just don't think TSM would be prepared for the proactivity from the jungle that self made provides. Yeah. I don't get that in NA. They don't get to go against that in NA. You know, they may have practiced against it over the past couple weeks in scrims. But it's just a whole different mindset and, like, just the way that they commit to plays and things. Like, if Fnatic goes back to the old ways where Whippo, as soon as he hits, like, level 6 or level 7, he just TPs bot, like, I don't know. I I think it just completely derails because support is definitely scary for TSM. And even though I think Spica is good, I just think Selfman is arguably the best jungler here and definitely one of the among the, like, top three. And here's the thing, man. Like, Larson, for me anyway, I'm interested in what you guys think about this. I think Larson is way better than Bjergsen. And Fnatic played against Larson. Yeah, like, I, think, I think Larson is It was not like we just auto-lose because Nemesis can't battle Larson. And I think that Larson's better than Bjergsen. So that just feels like a, a statement that they, they can deal with a team that has a better mid than them. Yeah. See, to me, I, I'm, I'm more looking at this like... It just, I, I think you need to look at this more as, like, how you read the metagame also. Like, if you think this is a, a metagame where the, the mid lane's going to matter less in... Not not necessarily, like, matter less literally, but matter less in terms of there's less interactive matchups. I kind of have this thought about Sooning, too, and we're going to get to them in a little bit. But if it's a metagame where it's just going to be, like, Azir, Zoe, Orianna, like, stuff like this, where it's, like, you know, there's not exactly a whole lot of, you know, LeBlanc or... Akali, like, stuff where you can outplay a situation, right? If it's more just, like, we're going to handshake and farm and kind of just push waves against each other and, and farm up, then I definitely think that helps Fnatic a lot, right? 
I think that helps Fnatic. I think that helps Suning. I think that helps teams that don't have like a pure stud mid laner. And I think they're going to be able to get by. I agree with you. I think Fnatic's better on the rest of the map. Like I don't think that's really a question. I think Whippo could take over this match, but I don't. Know. Ergot, I just... Ergot was played. We saw Tay on the Lethality Ergot. Ergot. We get some. Can we get some Whippo Lethality Ergot. Ergot's a thing right now. Like he's looking actual relevant pick. So Swain also relevant right now. So uh, yeah, I I definitely see the reason why. Like I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying no. This is a bad idea. Don't do it. Don't do it. You have your whole life ahead of you. I'm not talking you off fanatic. I just think. For me, this is going to be a TSM or, or no bet. I think for you guys, I think it's a reasonable take on Fnatic. So, yeah, that's going to be kind of an interesting matchup for sure. I'm going to be looking forward to that when Celeste came on the first day. Day two, we have Machi plus 128 against Liquid minus 169. This is really interesting because I think you could feel pretty strongly on Liquid in this spot. But I also Machi, think you could ask a lot of questions, so go for it. I was going to say, Machi is the hardest team for me Like that's in this tournament for me to really feel out how they're going to do. Um, I haven't given them a lot of respect in my predictions, but uh, it's a team that we haven't seen compete against any of these other teams at any recent point, and so it's kind of hard to get, to grasp how good they're going to be. Yeah. So I, I don't really know how I feel about this matchup. I almost feel like maybe I should just take them at plus 128 because I don't have a lot of respect for NA in general, but Liquid looks so good in the plans. I yeah. think maybe I just pass on this one. Yeah, I, I'm going to be on Liquid here. I, I think, to me, Machi got the first seed, but I think Talon were the better team all season. Not by, like, a drastic amount. And that's with the original Talon lineup as well, not the upgraded one we just saw. And they didn't completely dominate by any means like they won. I mean obviously they won the group and everything but they weren't super dominant in any, like most of their wins uh I and I'm not just like litmus testing this like Machi Talon compared versus Liquid but this is more just an endorsement of how good Liquid look right now like I think Liquid look really really sharp right now like they're they're all playing super well there's some day one first game kind of logic here I guess you could Say like Machi, we don't, we haven't seen anything from Machi. They could bust out something wild, and then once teams see it, once they just win. So I could definitely see wanting to back Machi for that reason. But uh, I'm probably going to be on Liquid here. I'm going to have a little bit of faith. Josh, Liquid kills spreads all day, every day. What's the pupper dog think? Liquid also Team Liquid. He says, "Will you get out of this office and come play with me?" It's, it's, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He's got to get over himself. All righty. Uh, next up, we have another very interesting one. We have G2 minus 147 against Suning plus 111. Um, G2, at every single book I've seen into the favorite to win this group, G2 are usually fifth in the favorite, like in terms of the futures odds to like overall in the tournament. This is weird. I think these two teams are going to be fascinating to watch play against each other because of how the matchups line up. Uh, I would argue, and there's people that would disagree with me. I'm sure you guys might disagree with me. I think Suning had better players in four roles. Like right, like at this moment, right now, based on what we've seen in the last, I don't know, two months. I think Caps has an edge. Now. Do I think the difference is that drastic? No, I think it's pretty close, which is what makes this matchup interesting. So I kind of look at this as, until I see otherwise, I kind of think these teams are even. 
Yeah, I think it's it's mid lane advantage to G2 for sure. I think given given what we've seen recently, I think it's AD carry advantage to Sunning for sure. The other three roles I I feel kind of back and forth about. Yeah. I think top's like, a, top I think is the probably the closest one to a wash too cuz I think top really close. I think support's pretty close and SOFM and Yankos is tough for me because for the last like god knows how long Yankos was so much better than SOFM and we only have like maybe like 5 weeks or something where SOFM looks better than Yankos. But it is the most recent five weeks, pretty much. I also think that, so. so my concern for G two for this tournament in general is how Yankos deals with this jungle meta because it is not like in his wheelhouse. Now, I'm not ruling out the possibility that he can make adjustments. He's had some time to figure this out. Hopefully, he's not like May of Lions and actually like gets these to a level that they feel confident enough to play them in stage games, and he's proficient enough on them. Again, I don't want to accuse Matt of not doing that, but it's telling that it wasn't a good performance, right? Now, G2 had the experience. Suning have a couple players that have been here before, but for the most part, this is as, as a team, this is their first time here, right? Uh, that's my biggest concern for G2. That's why I kind of think this could... I think it's much closer to a 50-50 in terms of who wins this group. Uh, I, I think both these teams probably end up going four two five one, something. Like I had Sunning getting out first. In yeah, my, me, me too. I think plus one eleven is good enough to take Sunning in the yeah. first game. And if you're wrong, I think you just live with that. Yeah, I, I, to me, this is a coin flip. So I, I give me, give me Sunning. They're, they're a better team than I think. The betting markets are disrespecting the hell out of Sunning, like big time. Like I got, they're twenty three to one to win the whole thing. I, a lot of people think that that's that's a reach. I don't think that's a reach at all. I think that's actually a pretty good spot. Um, I got them like twelve hundred, like twelve to one to get to the finals. I didn't think I thought that was great too. So, it, all it takes for Sooning, and we talked about this with this team, is a meta game where the mid lane can kind of like just neutralize, right? And we kind of just talked about this with the, a couple of the other matchups. And if that's the case, the other four, the other four members of this team are studs. So, yeah, I, I definitely think. Uh, I'm going to be on standing here. So the problem with what you just said is there are a few mid laners in the world that no meta can neutralize and cats is one yeah. of them. Yeah. yeah. So with that being said, like, I just don't like, I think like you said, like if we're grading each position, we're talking about a, like a versus a minus at yeah. every. And then at mid lane, we're talking about a plus versus B. So like, the gap there, I think, is bigger than all the other ones combined. I'd the- argue the eighty carry gap's pretty big too, for what that's worth. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, that's fair enough. But I, I don't, I don't know. I just think that gap is just massive, yeah. and, and that could be me being way too high on caps and way too low on. Uh, Juan Fong. Uh, no, Angel. on Angel. Angel. Yeah. Sorry, I was thinking Maple for some reason in my brain. Well, he was on their team last last year. So. Right. I was like, God. I was like, I knew they were playing the same. As- Anyways. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. For me, like, I just – whenever I think about this game, I'm like, hmm, will, will Cavs have a fully stacked Medjai's over or under 17 and a half minutes? Like, I don't – to me, it's just – I don't know. I, I, I'm just going to be on G2 kills. Like, we said it in the LEC, and I just don't think it's that different on the world stage. I'm going to take G2 anytime they're under, like, minus 150. Yeah. Anytime they're minus 200, it's going to be very hard for me not to bet them. 
in this case, like the minus 145 is even better than taking minus five and a half or minus 105. I'd much rather take money line in that case. Or, or what did we quote it as? 147, same same difference. So I, I, I'm just going to be on G2 money line there, I yeah. think. So that's my feeling. But I also think I, like if, if you think mid matters more than 80 carry gap, like mid gap yeah. bigger than 80 carry gap, if you think that's like the case, which I think is reasonable and accurate, then there's a strong argument there. I just don't think, like, I think these teams are close enough to the point where neither of them should be favored by this much is all. So, I could see, I, I could definitely see back in G2. That's, this is another one, just like the Fanatic side, where it's like, I'm not going to talk you off a cliff on this one, like, for sure. Like, I think it's totally reasonable to take either side, I think. How much closer does it really get than this, though? So, like... N- not, you, not really any closer. Minus 115s? Like... Yeah. Really? Okay. I don't think we have any of them in this tournament. This is the closest line we have. Oh, there's one that's closer. The last game of the thing. So, yeah. Um, Dan, uh, Chris, do you have thoughts on this one? I'm having a tough time with this one as well. I'm just thinking, like, they, like, first two days, which game will people most likely overreact to? If G2 loses to Suning, maybe people are already, like, doubting them. The other thing is, if we're thinking that this odd is where it needs to be, then we're saying G2 is only a slightly better than Suning. For the whole tournament, compared to the upper echelon team, yeah. Suning is that close to a tournament favorite to win, and that is I'm having a hard time buying into that. And uh, and maybe it's because G two has recent performance hasn't been like world beaters, but I just I just really think that I I, I like G two and um yeah I like G two to win this game. Then uh, but I wouldn't be surprised. Again, day one thing, not so much as to the talent. So uh, for me, I would have picked G2 to be number one seed to get out of this group. Okay. Um, next up we have kind of an interesting one. We have Damwon minus 500, Rogue plus 322. I am Mr. Damwon Stan, and I'm tempted by Rogue here. I think this is just one of those situations where first or second day – tournament best of one competent team some good players i think yeah, the argument cool. for damn one is nogari fin gap which is totally reasonable i think people forget that like the, the, that stuff happens every year who was yeah. fpx lost to humachi last yeah, year on day like one that, yeah uh, something like that like the, the, that kind of stuff happens every year and there's almost always a big name team that's very hyped coming into the tournament who just has a bad game plan and drafts badly and Mad gets Lions. Yeah, there's almost always we one of those. saw it. <laughs> even like like bigger name teams that are like tournament favorite level teams, there's almost always one that just underperforms for the whole tournament. So I don't know. I, I think playing Rogue here seems fairly fairly decent. The problem is you have a game the day before, and things are going to get messed up. You're going to feel kind of bad if you bet the Rogue money line and then Dam One just absolutely destroys JDG. Because <laughs> like that's a that's a much tougher matchup, but yeah. I think I like the, the plus three twenty two. If Dam One destroys JDG and this line ends up pushing up to like a seven hundred range, then it's you're going to feel pretty bad losing like a hundred points of value. But you're also maybe not going to feel so bad because they just smashed JDG. So I don't know. Um, it was J Team by the way on the first day, right region, wrong team. It's close. Enough. Yeah, J Team, J Team. Um, <laughs> it sounds kind of weird. Nah, I was gonna say like you could try to maybe create a middle with this where you take Rogue money line and damn one kill spread. 
because like to me, I don't. I feel like this is probably not going to be a close game. Like one way or the other. Like I, I could see Rogue winning it, but I think if Damwon win, they're probably going to just destroy them, right? So maybe this is like an alt kill spread kind of situation for Damwon. I don't know. This is probably going to be like eight and a half, nine kills. So this is pretty tough to look at. I think it's probably Rogue or pass. And then maybe if you want to mess around with alt, alt spreads for bigger plus numbers, that's good. Um, I mean, I, I, I was just going to say, like, this is the test, right? Like we said it earlier, are we, where are you drawing the line in the sand that if I don't care who's the teams are, if they're plus X or better, I'm betting them yeah. in or in the, in the group stage. So this is kind of the test. Like, is 300 that cutoff for you, or is it going to be something higher? Because you're not going to see much better than 300 odds on, on anyone in this stage, and for good reason. Like, yeah. we, we, we are pretty much all in agreement that Damwon's one of the top three teams in the world, but, you know, how, you know, how, where, where do we draw that line in the sand? Yeah. So, this is a big test for people on, on their handicapping, just like, uh, like, uh, what's it called? Discipline on, on, how you feel about it. Yeah, this is to me this is the hardest one for like that that thought process and that that theory. I think so. when it hits the 400s, I'm auto in. When it's in the 300s, I'm mostly in, but there's a few I'm going to pass including this next one. This here next one yeah, there. I guess I guess we can we can jump right to that. So JDG minus 526 versus Talon plus 332. Kind of mentioned it already with Talon, they're being priced as the team that got in, not as the team that they now are, which I mean, do we agree across the board that this is a downgrade? I think so, and I'm just kind of planting my flag on Talon having an underperformance of a tournament here. Yeah. I'm not uh, going to give them a whole lot of credit, I don't think. Yeah. Um, it's really frustrating. They don't get to play with that lineup. It was so much more equ- like better equipped to deal with this tournament. Um, this is a plus 300 that I'm that I'm dodging. Because like, to, me, to me, Rogue are better than Talon. Yep. Here's what I'll say. I'm I'm gonna wait for Rogue to beat Talon and then bet Talon in this match. That's reasonable because they'll be up there more. Yeah, but Rogue are also maybe gonna be. No, I don't think they'll move against Damwon because if they both win, maybe they move if Damwon well, loses and Rogue wins or something. Well, I mean, if, wait, what? They're on the same day. They're like back to back, right? These. Yeah, I was talking more the first day. The results of the first day. Yeah, I'm saying if Rogue beats Talon on day one. Oh, you're saying if if Damwon beats JDG? Yeah, I'm talking about yeah, like the other result. I would assume that regardless, if Rogue beats Talon, this moves because they're so like they're ten points away from Rogue. Yeah. By the way, is odd pricing wise, but but yeah, I, I don't know. For me, I want to see. I'll probably bet Talon just because I think they'll get up above probably like three sixty to like or above three fifty to probably like three sixty to three eighty range if they lose to Rogue. So. Um, that's that's going to be what I'm looking for here. Because, again, like, we see it every year. Like you just said, FEX lost to JT. Like, I, I'm not, not putting that on the table, even though I've, I think JDG is a really good team. Yeah, like, the, the players in this league are legitimately good. Like, they are that caliber of player. They're not quite, like, world-class smash everything, but, like, we've seen it for how many years. These, these guys all play on the same servers. Like, they're they're playing in the same ballpark. They're playing with these teams. The PCS teams, I would assume, get like the top PCS teams do get some scrimmage time with some of the these these major region teams. I don't know how much. I can't state that because I don't know. 
but I would assume they get more time on these things than like the lower seeded PCS teams or even like the the Japanese or or like some of the other teams that we see here, Oceania for instance too. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on this one. Chris, any thoughts or? No, it's really easy JDG call. Yeah, um, Gen G are minus two eighty six against TSM plus two oh three. I, I mean, I said, yeah, give me Genji. I think it's a little bit weird. I, I don't know. I guess I think LGD and TSM are closer. So I think that it's like, oh, you're getting a little more value on TSM if you're going to take them as a dog here. But, like, Genji is just going to smash this group. I think Genji are um, legit going to 6 out of this group. Maybe 5-1. Ugh. I really do. And I don't even think the other teams in this group are that bad. I just think they're the only, like, really, really good team here. I'm, I'm bad TSM here. I, there's no way you can tell me that I'm getting 20 points more value on TSM than LGD. So, and I'm so, not you, so you're with me. You think that they're like LGD and TSM are kind of close. I think I, I said it on on our last or couple shows ago. I think TSM is better. Like I would be more surprised of LGD getting out of this group than TSM. Okay, you and I are on the same, close enough to the same page on this. Then yeah, like incorrect, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> I think the ceiling is, is a little bit higher, and I would, I'm going to take TSM plus two or three. And I'm also like, I don't know why. I just can't convince myself, even though I know Gen G's good. It just, something just feels funky about that team. They feel like they're just going to blow up. Is I don't Josh know Roberts the gut handicapper here? <laughs> That's something to no, it, I, though, for real. Like, I, if. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, it's, it's probably wrong because all their underlying numbers are great and everything. It's just like, for some reason, I just like in my brain this team is like fake or something, and I I don't really. It feels like they're one of those teams that I think in my brain it's just because I've seen them run up the score so many times on these terrible LCK teams that like I'm just like oh there's no way they're actually good. They just run up the score on bad teams, yeah. even though they're actually good. So it's definitely an inherent bias I have. But again, honestly, just from a pure value standpoint, I'm going to take 20 more points with TSM than I would get. With I think that's fair. That's fair. Uh, John, I was on Gen G. Josh is probably going to take. The, he's taking the value on TSM here because it's twenty points more than LGD. It's no bet for me, but uh, I don't. I don't like TSM. I think uh, that's kind of been made. People <laughs> yeah, made, made crystal clear, right? Uh, Chris, Gen G, TSM. No, it's Gen G. I, I just don't know how TSM can outsmart, outdraft, outplay Gen G. I just. I just don't see it. I think they're outclassed at every single position by a pretty big margin. Outcoached. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Speaker versus Clid could be fun. <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, Fnatic minus 161, LGD plus 121. Oof. Let's go to Fnatic again. I feel like Fnatic's where like my flag is kind of planted. And then as far as like my hot take, feels like Fnatic's kind of where I'm coming out. Yeah, Fnatic, Fnatic are strange to me because I know that they're better than what we saw most of this year. And yet I'm still kind of reluctant because, I, I, to me, Fnatic have maybe the biggest range of outcomes in this entire tournament. Like, I think it's interesting because it's them in G2, right? Like, I could definitely see they just have this on lock. Like, they just have this metagame on lock. They're all playing insanely well individually right now. If you just look at their solo queue. I don't ignore that kind of stuff. Like it, it 
sets alarms, like there's alarms going off in my head on this kind of thing. If they're in good form right now, Fnatic are like a world-class team. They could top four. I don't think they could win it, but it, if if they come out and just like shock everybody, like, yeah, they're totally allowed to win this tournament. They're probably in a better spot, like as far as metagame and all that kind of stuff, they're probably in a better spot than G2. I think like... Yeah, I do too. I think this stuff links up with them better than it links up with, with G2. Yeah. So I, I could see Fnatic having kind of a breakout surprise performance here. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about the gut stuff. And so I just look at these matchups real quick, and my mind just tells me what I think about them before I even apply any sort of logic. And every time I'm looking at these Fnatic lines, I'm loving it. I'm just yeah. like, boom, Fnatic, give me Fnatic. Yeah, I... I Go ahead, Josh. I was just going to say, I'm with John on that. And I think it's because... I think I said this a couple shows ago. But the way I see this group falling out is like I think Fnatic wins the group, but I don't think like I don't think anyone in this group could possibly six zero. Like this group feels like a it's either going to be like a a four two three 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 two four or something like that. Like that's kind of what this group feels like to me because I feel like all these teams can win or lose just based on a minor draft error or a minor lane error. Like they're all so close to me. Like I think this is the Oh, man, I, yeah, I think I think top to bottom, I think this is the tightest group for me. Um, yeah, I think so. So like, I just I just can't see any team dominating. Like, I, I get where you're coming from with Genji. I just I'm sorry, like, and I I just think it's I'm gonna be it's gonna be tough for me not to just fanatics getting such good line value here to not just hammer them and even their kill spreads because how many games do we see fanatic finish within? You know, I don't know. I think. No. Fnatic, interestingly, have grown on me since we recorded all the Super Show interviews. Um, I think when I was doing that, I kind of described this group as like, you know, what spectrum do you see this group on? Like, some people see it as one clear best teams and three, you know, contesting. Some see it as a one and then two in the middle contesting for the second spot and then a clear bad team. Other teams see it as three teams at the top and one clearly bad team. Or And you could honestly say it's just a dead heat. Like, it's just 25 or close to a 25 percent chance for each of these teams right now when i was going through this i think it's a clear number one and three teams competing for the other spot the more I've, i'm thinking about it like as the time's going on i actually am liking Fnatic more i just think lgd are not a good team i really do like and i know like i I've, I've kind of just like that's been my brand i guess for like half the summer split and like coming into worlds right but LGD have shown me some good things, but I really just I'm not, I'm not buying this team. And like, maybe, I hope like, he just put Bjergsen in a box. I hope he just crushes him. You, just, you might be right. Come back on the pod, just come back on the podcast and just shit on TSM. You might be you might be right. Uh, it's weird to me. So it's weird to me because like I actually like Fnatic in this spot, but I didn't like them against TSM. So what does that say, right? If I was sitting here saying that I think it's a dead like it's an even heat for those three teams. And I'm lay, I'm willing to lay 161 with Fnatic. I think LGD maybe this is a one-two-one situation, and LGD is the clear worst. Now, that might sound crazy to a lot of people. It does sound a little crazy even to me. But like, for me, this is di- this one's different because I think stylistically, it's 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 a little more interesting to me because I don't I don't think GA is that good. He had a really good playing performance, but what mid laners is he playing against? Right. So he got favorable matchups in almost every single game too. By the way. Now, he they did just beat rookie. So, like, what the hell does that mean? I think I think this is this team is really weird. Like, you could analyze them in that way or not, but I think Fnatic have a better chance against LGD than they do against TSM. 
just from a matchups perspective. And I, that's a little weird to people, but I don't. I'm probably just passing this one. Like I'm willing. Like I'm. I'm pretty close on Fnatic. I'm gonna wait in line shop a little bit and see if this gets lower because I think people might come in on LGD a little bit. Uh, I don't know. This one. This group's getting really weird. Like the more the more I think about this group, the more things are going through my head. Like it actually ends up just super interesting. I think this is gonna be the group to watch for sure. I don't know. Do I sound like a crazy person? <laughs> no, man. Tell me I I'm not crazy. It. Tell me I'm not crazy. <laughs> Um, so we wanted to focus a lot on the first two days and we, we've, we've run a little bit long here. Um, anything, I'll just put it to you guys. Is there anything sticking out in terms of like how you project these happening for like Monday and Tuesday, like the third and fourth days, like the, uh, the last two days of the second round, Robin, cause I don't think we want to go through each one of these games, but maybe there's a couple that stick out to you based on how you think this is going to play out. Yeah. The, there was one that really stuck out to me. It's going to be my pick of the week. Uh, it's on Monday. Um, I like Dragon X plus one seventy three against Top. Yeah. Um, specifically, like I have Dragon X getting out of this group first, and part of the reason for that is that I think that a lot of Top's games are won through Knight dominating, and I think this is one of the very few matchups where maybe Knight can't dominate. Yeah. And if he can't dominate, I don't think the rest of their team is as like they're they're good. Don't get me wrong; they're a top four team in the world, but. I don't think they're as sharp as they look when Knight is dominating. So I, I'm going to take them at plus 173. That value just seems too good to me. Yeah, it's a unique challenge for them. Like they, I mean, re- domestically, like who challenges them? Like in this, yeah, in there's this not style. a lot of Invictus. It's like Invictus. Yeah, Invictus is is pretty much that's the, the it, right? Like yeah. In terms of like overall, like I mean, you can make an argument like JDG kind of tests them. I think Yagao is not quite on that level, but he's close. Yeah, in spring he had a breakout performance in the playoffs against Knight, but in general, I think we know that Knight's the superior. Yeah, it's, it's Knight and Rookie in the LPL, right? They're the two best mid laners. They're clearly better than. I, I don't think anyone's in the same realm as that. I think Yigao's maybe the closest. And I'm, I'm I know I'm forgetting somebody, but uh, yeah, like I, I think it poses a unique Doin challenge. B. What's up, Dwayne B. I, th- I think Doinby is kind of closer to that Yigal tier. I think he's more unique than good necessarily. He is very good, obviously, but icon on paper. <laughs> get out of here! I, icon, icon, what you had, icon has to make an appearance at Worlds, right? He had to get his way onto the show somehow. <laughs> icon had to sneak his way into here somehow. We've gone too long without talking about OMG, so he had to get brought up, right? Um, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. Um, there's some concerns about Dragon X. Uh, I think Deft is nursing an injury. I don't know how much to read into this kind of stuff. Sometimes it does end up mattering. I guess we'll find out. But I think we kind of got to treat this as, you know, as we've seen so far. And I'm with you on this one. I think this is a. I think Dragon X pose a unique challenge to top in that they don't get to see this quality of mid lane play that often. So, um. I'll just like quickly browse through these. Like a couple of these stick out to me. G two G two liquid is really interesting on Tuesday. Uh, G two minus two forty four. Um, top and unicorns of love off the board. I think unicorns of love is an interesting matchup because you know that they're gonna play some wild shit and top don't always adapt to these kind of things well. Top are it's weird. Top don't play like a Korean team, but they end up. The way their seasons end up playing, their season has ended up playing out. They sometimes have that tendency where it takes them a little bit of time. They're a little bit slow to adjust, but once they get a hold of what's good for them, then they're good. So, yeah, I mean, 
that's probably going to be like plus 300 or something, right? Like yeah, Dragon X, they were plus 230. If they're, if they're in that like 300-something range, I'll probably take UL against top as well, just yeah. as an upset shot. Because I, like top, top, at every single book I've looked at, top are the heavy favorites to win. Like they're not like minus money, but like I know, I know like a couple books have like team against the field. Like you can take the field for you know some money. You can take um, uh, like top are like in the hundreds for to win the tournament, and I don't think they should be favored by that much. So like we're getting inherently we're getting line value if you don't think that that's the case, just in general. So you have to kind of go through and ask, like, when you know when you want to pick your battles against them. I think Dragon X is a good one for sure, and Unicorns you can make an argument for. Genji Fanatic, interesting. And then I think maybe the closest game, I guess, on the entire slate so far is LGD minus 122 against TSM minus 108, the closest even money we have on the entire tournament. So I'll be on TSM there just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll probably bet LGD. I'll probably stay on brand. Yeah, we'll keep. Yeah, there, there we go. We'll beer bet that one. We'll beer bet that. Um, anything else sticking out to you guys, Josh, Chris? Any any of these lines um, sticking out to you in any way? Any kind of interesting narratives you're thinking about in this, in terms of this? I'm just. I for sure know that there's going to be some upset in the ones that I didn't even call, and that's going to uptilt me. It, it's just going to happen. It has to happen. <laughs> Uh, are there any teams that we think are like a week two team? Fnatic historically have been that. Um, there's been a couple of other teams that it's like the first, you know, takes a little bit for them to get their feet under them playing against the international competition. Uh, any nominees for that kind of situation? I could see G2 doing that this year. I think they're, I think they're pretty, a pretty smart team and they, they might take a minute to adjust. I could see that happening. Especially if we don't think the meta is that well-equipped for them and they have to find... The, 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 the one thing that team is so good at is they always seem to find some way to work around their deficiencies. Like, they always do. It's, it's why I think Grabs is one of the best coaches of all time because I, for, I don't know what it is, but they it seems like they always find a way that any time weakness gets exposed, they just are able to find some weird workaround. They just MacGyver it somehow. Like, I have no idea how they do it, but they do it every single time. So I I think G two are probably I think G two and Fnatic weirdly enough are those teams maybe it's just the thing with Europe who knows Josh what do you think oddly enough I want to say a team like FlyQuest like uh, we've talked before about just our consistency I guess is like I don't know like honestly like I was like thinking through the groups my head I was like what team is that and I don't for some reason FlyQuest is the one. And I don't know why, but it's got to just be because, like, in week one, you can get cheesed pretty hard. Like, the first thought I had, honestly, was not TSM. So, like, if TSM, it should be a week one team. But then my thought was, like, maybe maybe FlyQuest is a week two team where their consistency just prevails while teams are trying to, you know, still figure things out. And even in a weird group, like, where they're outmatched, maybe consistency just leads the way. Yeah. In that, the- that was our logic with Liquid in the play-ins, right? And that, I mean, that made some sense. That's an interesting thought, at least. And I, I'll say this, Orn has been the per, the dominant top laner in this tournament. I don't think that's going to remain the case, necessarily. Uh, but it might. He might just turn into something that gets banned all the time, and then Solo's probably in big trouble. <laughs> but, I mean, Orn's been getting through. 
I think the play-in stage drafts are going to be quite a bit different than the main event drafts because I think we have mid laners that are that demand attention now. So I think that's going to change things up a little bit. But I mean, if there's a world where FlyQuest just to get to play FlyQuest comps every game, I think they can kind of hang with anyone. To be honest with you. Um. Okay. Any other thoughts? The the one overarching thing I was just going to say is um, Prime kind of touched on it, but. Expecting the unexpected, um, obviously you should have your idea of how you think the group will ultimately play out. But you got to remember, like, if you think a team goes four and two, there's nothing to say that that four and two is not the way LGD did it, right? Where they go o two in their first two and then they win the next four. Yep. Also, there's nothing to say the other way where you know they win their first four and then you're like, oh, I just you know these games are unbettable because they're definitely going to win. Like. You can win or lose at any given time. Like you gotta remember these every single game is the best one. They're not playing a series in one day. These are overtime. So you gotta have, you know, what you expect to happen, but don't forget that like upsets are going to happen. It's inevitable. That's how any of these tournaments go. So don't be super surprised. Don't overreact. And also just like be willing to embrace that variance. Like if you see a team that's plus 400 and you're just like, man, I just really don't think any of the top 16 teams in the world should be plus 400 against one another. Then, okay. Then jump into it. Right. So, so that, that, that's my general advice for this tournament. Um, I enjoy it and all that, but, but yeah, don't, don't be surprised by anything. You know, all these teams are, are, are quality teams, quality players. That's going to be huge for DFS too. We're seeing the big tournaments again that we were seeing like during the COVID outbreak, initial COVID outbreak where we're seeing 20,000 to first 25,000 to first, 5,000 players type tournaments. Those are the types of tournaments where you want to be playing FlyQuest against top esports. Yeah, like playing fields. playing some, yeah, teams teams that people are not going to be on. Um, and in these best of one slates, like like Josh said, embrace that variance. That, that variance is good for you if you're trying to win a GPP. You need variance to win a GPP. So p- try out some of that kind of stuff if you're playing these big fields. Um, I think don't just sit there and go like these are the two biggest favorites. Let me plop these guys into my lineup every day. I think you'll have very little success trying some stuff like that. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, kind of tagging onto Josh's point is a uh, just from a philosophical standpoint, tournaments are a much different beast. I, I know a lot of we got a lot of new listeners that haven't seen tournament play. They've just seen league play and playoffs and just got their first taste with play-ins. I actually think even if the quality is not quite up to the same level the overall feel is very similar to what you're going to get. There's just going to be some upsets. We talked going into the playing stage that all it takes is one result that might not even be related to the team that you're playing in. Maybe it's just in the same group, two other teams in the group that throws the whole thing for a loop, right? The challenge with tournaments is there's like two main schools of thought. There's a school of thought that your pre-tournament evaluation is gospel. And then there's the school of thought that you need to adjust to what you see. The challenge is finding the middle ground, finding, you know, what are red flags that you think can be adjusted to? Um, how, how hard do you adjust to them? The, the whole key to this whole thing is, is adjustments. Every time we have tournaments come up, it's important to be able to see, okay, I kind of, I was wrong on Mad Lions in this playing tournament because I trusted the adjustment when I had no reason to do that, right? That was an example of a mistake I made, right? There's teams that you can trust to make an adjust adjustment there's maybe something you see on film that is a red flag that you use like this there's no way that this keeps happening right it's it's they caught the good end of variance or something you need to be willing to adjust when it's an egregious enough or, or serious enough situation or or red flag 
that it deserves adjusting to. But you also need to understand that and embrace that variance like we were just talking about, where it's not always necessarily like, okay, this team lost to this team in week one. I'm fading them the rest of the tournament either. There's things to be concerned about, and there's things not to be concerned about. And it's just pay really careful attention. If if it, it For me, it helps to actually write these things down, like things that you're looking out for each team. If this team does this, then I'll stay where I'm at on them. If they're not doing this, then I'll, I downgrade them, right? Treat it just like football power numbers for anybody that's done that kind of thing. Like, you know, if this team's strength is their defensive line and they have two key injuries on that defensive line, that's a bigger adjustment than just a player being hurt. Because if it's an adjustment to the strength, that that's a huge issue, right? So these kind of things, like make notes for yourself, take notes for each team, see what you're looking for, um, and kind of get that confirmation in terms of like specifically what you're looking for, not from the result of the games you're looking at. So... Yeah, tournaments are a different beast. They're weird. Uh, so a lot of times, just weird stuff happens. Things don't always make sense. And you need to know uh, how to adjust and when to adjust and when to trust your instinct and your initial read on things. So, all right. Pick of the week. I will let you guys take this on while I'm a pool. <laughs> I just, I gotta, saw, I just I, saw the bonus. Save that for the sign-off. Save that for the sign-off. But uh, yeah, go go ahead and uh, drop your pick of the week. I'm going to double check for listeners. <laughs> I went uh, for my pick of the week, DRX plus 173 against top. I think 173 is just too big of a number there, especially when they have a neutralizer for the biggest strength of top esports. So that'd be my pick of the week. Josh? Yeah, I went for G2 minus 147 versus Suning. Talked about it already. I think mid-gap there is going to be an issue, and I'm pretty high on G2 um, in, in, this, in this group as a whole. And for myself, I took TSM plus 126 versus Fnatic on day one. Um, this is one of the upsets that I'm looking for in day one where people are going to be all memeing about how NA is better than EU. It's just going to happen. Um, so we'll take that as my pick of the week. All right. I am going to do... There's like two that I like quite a bit here. I'm going to go Rogue, minus 185 against Talon. And then, I mean, I, I think you could also do whatever the kill spread is in that situation. It'll probably be like four and a half. I think that's totally live as well. Uh, yeah, give me Rogue, minus 185 against Talon. I like that. I like Liquid. I like Gen G. They're, although they're out of our, our range for the rules. And on Tuesday, I definitely like uh, Gen G against Fnatic under minus 200. So. Pick of the week, uh, listener pick of the week is compliments of at JG29 from the sports department Discord. He likes TSM minus 108 against LGD. So he's along the same lines as I am. Yeah, how disappointing it is to do this show for like two years and there's two people taking TSM. <laughs> it's really disappointing, guys. It's really disappointing. I feel like uh, a teacher that gets through to their students. I don't know. oh my god how many times do we have to write it's like bart simpson with the chalkboard like he has to write like i will not bet tsm to make top eight i will not bet tsm to make top eight (laughs) um dude so are tsm the unicorns of love of the main event are they the hip dog Uh, i hope not Maybe it's just us. I don't know. Isn't it? It's probably Team Liquid. 
Team Liquid, that would be my bet. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe LGD. People were buying the the bunch of wins in a row. Interesting. All right. Um, anything for sign-offs? Or uh, I know John's got a John's got a bonus football pick, and then maybe we can just get yeah, it. I have a secondary bet. On. I actually kind of feel like maybe we should just do this next year and all have a, a traditional sports pick of the week that's actually just a D-Gen pick because we're not <laughs> Um. Oh yeah, the Lions plus one seventy five, dude. Um, this I, I did a lot of research into this matchup. I looked at how all this is gonna play out. And, uh, I looked at all the matchups, and uh, Drew Brees can only throw the ball like three yards. So the Detroit Lions are gonna win plus one seventy five. Uh, it's a lock. I bought a new G two jet with my Aaron Rodgers money last <laughs> week. Uh, with the Packers absolutely putting the Saints in a body bag. I don't want to hear from anybody about how that game played out because, as far as I'm concerned, it was one of the most <laughs> beatings in football history. Uh, which is what I expect to see out of every Saints game for the rest if of anyone, the year. If anyone listening to this is curious, yes, John lost money when the Saints lost the Raiders. No. <laughs> the Saints losing to the Raiders was an eye-opening, like, third world, like, an extra eye experience for me. It was like a, an out-of-body experience, like, where I saw and talked to God, and he was just like, <laughs> Drew Brees is never going to win another football game in his life. And I was like, I'll, I will take that back to earth and tell the people about it, you know? I guess we'll stick with football. Give me – I'll lay 13 with the Ravens. I don't give a shit. <laughs> the 13 – Washington's terrible. I say that as an Eagles fan and they beat us, but Washington is awful, all right? You want to stick to football, take the Ravens. I never lay double-digit points, but <laughs> the Ra- I think the Ravens are probably the best team in the league. Them and KC, are, I think, are cut above pretty much everyone else. What? What? Maybe Seattle. Seattle's in that ballpark. Did, did you not watch the Monday Night Football game? I did Hello? watch the Monday Night Football game. I think it was one. Game. I think you play that. I think you play that. I think you play that matchup out a bunch of times. They win probably fifty fifty. I'm going to throw a party for you guys this season. Let me tell you when I'm going to throw it. There's going to be a week. I don't know what week it is because I don't follow football at all. But there's going to be a week where the <laughs> New York Giants, the New York Giants, are going to play against the Saints this season at some point. And when that happens. I'm going to throw us a party because we're going to get so rich because the New York Giants are the worst football team I've ever seen. And they're still going to beat the New, the New Orleans Saints. So <laughs> I don't know what the odds. I'm probably going to get plus 10,000 on the Giants. I don't know, but I'm, I'm taking them and we're going to throw a party. Oh, man. We, we got to make oh, the DJ pick. Crap. We got to make the DJ pick a, a thing. Yeah, I think, I think next year we have the DJ pick where you just put something out there, even if you know nothing about it. We'll do a little, little shout out to the SGP, the Sports Gambling Podcast guys. They always do the um, lock dog and tease. And they do like a teaser, or we could do like maybe like an extended, like a goofy three team parlay and see how, see if that hits and do that every week. See if that ends up more profitable than our traditional methods. Yeah, sure. see, that'll be the best part when at the end of the season our DGen picks are like 10 units higher. Yeah. Than <laughs> that'll be the best part of it. As long <laughs> as I keep it against Breeze, it's probably likely. <laughs> oh, yeah, we could also do like cross sports. That'd be fun too. Some some books will allow you to do that. You could do like football and league. Be like, yeah, like, I know. parlay TSM with the Saints this week. <laughs> I don't. I know nothing about soccer or NHL. Probably gonna pick one of those. Uh, coyotes. They're good, right? Coyotes. Yes. <laughs> oh if you God. parlay TSM with the Saints, the FBI actually comes to your house. You actually, <laughs> you're actually correct if you do that. So please don't do that, listeners. Don't do it. Oh man! All right. I think uh, we're all clearly a little bit loopy. We've all been working really hard getting prepped for Worlds and, and writing for Worlds and everything. And uh, I think that makes this a lot more entertaining. <laughs> all right, guys, anything else? We're probably going to have another show out to you guys. We're, I think 
I mean, I'll just, we'll just do scheduling on the show live while we're recording still. Uh, we're going to try to record, I think, Tuesday night if we can because there's going to be matches Thursday, and I'll be able to get it out so that people can listen on Wednesday. Does that work for you guys? Well, let me know. Let me know. So we're going to try to have a show out to you guys on uh, Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday next week, and we'll talk about the rest of the group stage for Worlds and how we're going to progress moving forward and recap what we saw. So enjoy the main events here. This is super fun. We got really good group draws, and it should be a really, really interesting tournament. So without anything else, I think uh, The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode. Josh is, Josh is chomping his bit for something. Dude, you should have seen a, I got a DM from this guy when I posted that stuff about Drew Brees. Somebody who clearly didn't realize that I don't know anything about football and I was just joking around and he was in the DMs like, Drew Brees is not washed up. I don't know how you think any of this was his fault. He was like going off on me in the DMs and I was just like, okay. Like I was like that cat in the memes that's like sitting behind the table. Like, sucks. The FBI comment just sent me a fucking dizzy. Like I was afraid he even touched this shit on Bavada. This guy knows something. Check the soy futures market. He knows everything. Holy shit.